What do you get when the audacious and the therapist collide? A crash course in unpolished therapy. Rachel Silvercone and Dr. Boca aren't afraid to spin out of control, tackling all the tough talk. Their weekly sesh meets at the corner of Audacity and Advice, where their wheels and yours get turned upside down. Hey everyone, good morning. It's Rachel Silver Cohen. Happy Wednesday. It is another episode of Unpolished Therapy. So you know what that means. I'm here with the one and only Dr. Boca. How goes Dr. B? It's going well. It's going well. It's an interesting week. People are going in on their separate directions and going to camp and going on their trips and everything. But overall, it's been good. Been good. And you? Settled and moving forward and enjoying life? Yeah. You know, I guess I say like I'm unpolishedly settled, which is par for the course. It means I'm settled with the question mark, question mark that at any given time, something could happen, but that's okay. It's okay. That's how we have to live our lives. The kids are all right, quote unquote, right? We talked about that before. So it's the middle of the summer and we're all sort of in a groove and we know what that means. Whether you're unpolished or not, as soon as we kind of know what the rhythm is, all of a sudden there's what? Another instrument in the mix and, and the beat changes, right? Absolutely. The only thing you can count on that is consistent is change. Yeah. Yeah. So with that, uh, the change I'm seeing, whether it's on social media or the chatter I hear from friends or acquaintances for that matter, near and far is, oh my God, my baby is leaving for college Mm. and how can that happen? He or she was just in preschool or so on and so forth. And for a long time, I kind of blocked out that, you know how they say like, are you listening or hearing, right? Right. That there's a difference between the two. For a long time, I guess I thought that I was listening, but I really wasn't. I was hearing what they were saying. It was just noise. Mm -hmm. Now that obviously our children are not nearly old enough for college yet, although I would argue that in the blink of an eye, I might be saying, remember when I thought they weren't ready for college and here we are. So I can talk about it, which is kind of a brush of fresh air that I can talk about it with not as much emotion because it's not my children. But I am finding it absolutely fascinating that time really does go so quickly. And kids that I know, whether they're very close friends, children of our family, or just again, as I mentioned, acquaintances or just people in the community, it's unbelievable that they've really grown up. There are people and they're young adults and and they're literally flying the coop and and they're going to college. So, oh my God. And actually, the more I talk about it, even though I said I'm not going to get emotional about it, (laughs) It I'm all worked up. So... (laughs) I can only suggest that maybe we speak to those listeners out there that are in it, like they're swimming in the pool of letting go for real this time. And what would you say to them in our unpolished therapy, not real therapy, but therapy? Help us. Help us all, Dr. Boca. I mean, look, it's one of those types of experiences where until you're in it, You can't really understand it. And so I acknowledge that part of it. I'm not there yet, but I've watched my nieces and my nephews. And one of the things that I always say about children is they are the best marker of time gone by, right? You see your child and you're like, oh my gosh, they're 18 now. 18 years. Look at all the things that have happened in 18 years. It really resonates with you. And I think our job, and I've said this in other podcasts, is that our job is to raise these children to be... Um, the best people that they can be and the most productive members of society that they can be. 
And this is the next rite of passage, which is teaching them to have take all the tools and all the experiences and all the knowledge and go out into the big bad world and let them fly and see what happens. It is hard. It is painful. I think about my parents that put me on a camp bus for eight weeks of sleepaway camp when I was six years old. And I'm like, oh my God, I could never do something like that. And yet it positioned me and all of my friends to be independent and self-reliant people. So I think that that's what we have to keep reminding ourselves is that we've done the best that we can do. And it's scary. And we have to recognize that fear both in the quote-unquote child that's leaving the now soon-to-be adult, as well as ourselves. And it is a process. Like every other transition, it is a process. It's going to feel foreign. It's like when your children start to drive, that anxiety, right? And then over time, as they have successes and they go their way and they gain that independence and you see that they're comfortable and confident and capable, our anxiety diminishes. Does it ever go away? Not really. So I guess that's the best advice I can give to people is they're doing what's important to be done. They're going to have, God willing, a very good experience. They're going to develop and morph into good people, hopefully. Not everybody's going to have the greatest experience, but this does not necessarily mean it's the end of the road. Lots of kids transfer from colleges and that's okay too. We kind of figure out who we are when we cut the tie. And I encourage the parents to give their children some space. Our natural tendency is to, especially in our generation, is to track them, watch them, talk to them a hundred times a day, try to fight their fights and their battles with their professors and, and what have you. And I would encourage everybody to kind of know your child, read your child, and keep challenging yourself to give them a little bit more independence because that is the next stage of their life is developing that independence. Hmm. That was a mouthful. I'm exa- I feel like I have to go to college now to just kind of <laughs> through all that. When I look back on my college days, they certainly, I feel comfortable saying, were the greatest four years ever. A lot of fun a little bit of learning. I know probably (laughs) parents think it should be kind of the other way around. And I would imagine parents these days know that going forward, the kids, the whole rite of passage piece you talk about is we are letting loose and they are getting their wings. And in today's generation though, I would think that because of all of the things that they've experienced prior, even if they haven't physically left the house, which... Mm -hmm. A lot of our listeners, I'm going to probably assume, I I know we're not supposed to assume, but more times than not, maybe they've been on trips with friends before. They've been to camp, they've been on tours or whatever the case may be. I I guess I even mean it just from the sake of the social media aspect where the world has changed so much. It's bigger Mm -hmm. and a little scarier at a much younger age because of their exposure, right? So with that being said, one might think that, oh, well, wouldn't parents kind of already have had that cushion in letting their kids kind of veer off and do their... And not veer off as in stray away negatively, but just to kind of have their own sense of self and independence, even while under their roof because of the world we live in. So that mm-hmm. that's number one. But then you hear... I had a friend the other day tell me his daughter's going to college for the first time, right? And right. I guess, you know, this summer session stuff and so right. on and so forth. He had said to me, brace yourself for when your kids get ready to go to college. It was harder than divorce or death. Oh. And I said, oh, come on. I mean, Whoa. I think we're being, we're embellishing a little bit here. But I also didn't want to diminish. judge yeah, right. or diminish. Exactly. If that's how you feel, it's how my token line has always been. Look, I can't tell someone how to feel. If that's how you exactly. feel, by all means. 
it just seemed a little dramatic. <laughs> well, I, right? think, I think it speaks to the impact that this individual is feeling about the end of, and again, I say end of, and you guys can't see me putting it in quotes, but the end of having our babies home with us. Now, in this day and age, more times than not, these quote-unquote babies are coming back home after school is over. So I'm not so sure it's the end. It might be for some. And I think we take stock in it just like we do at several points in our lives. So I can appreciate that it must be very difficult saying goodbye to these kids. But there's also the flip side that I would encourage your friend to look at of all the opportunities, all the excitement, all the growth that is likely going to happen. Because you're right. Like, I mean... I didn't look back on my college years and say they were awful by any means. I had a great experience. I grew and I had been a summer camp kid, a sleepaway camp kid. I had been an Israel touring kid. I had been away for semesters. And still, college is learning to live on your own, learning to be independent, navigating relationships, and potentially also studying, right? And learning how to balance no parental guidance over you with responsibility, which is probably the first thing. Because when you go to camp or you go to Israel or you go on these teen tours and whatever, there's no responsibility. The most you have to do is worry to make sure that you have enough canteen money to take you on your trips and to cover your chocolate bars that you want, right? Like that's the biggest responsibility that you have and not getting caught on raids. Like other than that, there was no responsibility. This is the first time you have responsibility along with social issues, along with real schedules. And that's really what this experience is for. What would you say to parents though, as you're talking about all the things that we learned or were supposed to have learned and how we grew and saw the world through a different lens in college, I'm thinking to myself back to how different it is. What would you say to parents now who have access to the Life360, to the texting, to the calling, to watching them from their whatever their social media platforms are. When we were growing up, our parents, I can't speak for yours, but I certainly can speak to my... Whether I was in the dorm the first year or in the apartment living for the years thereafter, there was one phone and it rang and you either picked it up if you were home or you didn't. Or even (laughs) if you were home, you didn't pick it up. And I guess we had caller ID back then. So you kind of knew who was calling. But I can tell you, my parents were not hunting me down every nope. second of every day. And if I spoke to them a couple of days a week, I actually, I, I would have to ask my mom and dad, I have no recollection of exactly how often we spoke. I'm sure we spoke. I mean, who, <laughs> of course. But I know this is a little long-winded, but I guess the question then to you is, if I were a parent of a child who was leaving for the first time for college, okay, okay. I have enough to do with my kids at the age they are now tracking them down and making sure they're okay and so on and so forth. And they're still under my roof. How do you pose or suggest to a parent, you say back off, right? Or give them their wings. Like we can't hover from afar. If the whole goal is to let them kind of do their thing, hopefully if they fall, they're not falling down a well, they're tripping and they're dusting their knees off. But I would find for me, Mm-hmm. it would be very hard for me to practice the right type of restraint. I guess that's the word I'm looking for. What right. would you say to parents in terms of what kind of restraint they should use to give these kids sure. their space? So I think the first thing is it depends, right? And I hate that answer, but it depends. You have to know your child. There are some children who you can send away to school and they're going to be fine. And you could check them on 360 every once in a while. You can call them once in a while and you know they're going to be fine. It's really, there's other kids that are not going to be. And so what I encourage parents to do is know your kid and look at what it is that you typically do with them and then challenge yourself to pull back a little bit. It's not all or none. 
right? Pull back a little bit from what the norm was. So if you start to see that your child is calling you several times a day, right? Mm -hmm. Then I would not necessarily make myself available for all of those phone calls. If they're struggling, I would make myself available for the phone call. And then I would say, you know what, honey, let's talk again at 7 p.m. Not at two and three and four and five, because that's what is that doing? That's enabling them to pull away from whatever social situation they're Mm -hmm. in or academic situation in that they're avoiding by calling me. So I would try to give them a little bit. I'm not going to pull away totally and not make myself available if my child needs me, but I'm not going to try to come in at every hour and answer the phone. That's something that's been very different for our generation versus our parents' generation. Nobody, we didn't talk to our parents a hundred times a day. That did not happen in our generation. Maybe you talked to them two or three and you looked at those people like, you're really talking to your parents two or three times a day, right? And then you had the other people that didn't talk to parents for weeks. And I'm like, wait a minute, I can't go weeks without talking to my kid. So you have to know your kid. You have to talk to your kid about what's going to feel good for them. What feels good for you? Can we find a compromise between the two? And as time goes on, our hope is that they're going to reach out to you less. Not that they're not going to want to talk to you, but when they do talk to you, it's going to be a rich and meaningful conversation where you guys can connect and hear what's going on. And I also say we have to move at our kid's pace, not necessarily our pace. If our kid wants to cut their wings and fly, we have to give them a little bit of space and it's going to be really hard for the parent. There's anxiety in there. There's fear in there. So I say to the parent, go find a really good friend. Talk to them. Have them talk you off the ledge. Do some deep breathing. It's going to be okay. If the child's calling you and it's too much for you, let's have a conversation about that and say, look, honey, you know, your job right now is to go and meet people. I'm here. Let's have a check-in time that works for both of us. But call me when you really need something. Check in with your friends instead of checking in with me or check in with somebody else. You know, so it's really, I can't really give you the right answer. I just have to give you the right answer being you got to know your kid and work Mm. with them and try to, if your child's doing well, then less is more. Yeah. Stop putting your anxiety onto them and challenge yourself to do that. And you know, look, some people turn to Xanax, some people turn to drinking in their unpolished way. And that's okay too. Whatever you need to get through it, but we have to be careful not to put our anxieties onto our children because nine times out of 10, that is what we do every single day in our generation is we're putting our anxieties onto our children. And that's why we're seeing so much anxiety and the fear to go to school and the fear to deal with the trials and tribulations that they're having in a non-productive way. And I guess we also, we want to keep the emphasis on the positive too. It's such a wonderful experience. And if we as parents are so anxious about it, we're really stripping them from the excitement and the beauty and the joy that comes out of an opportunity like this. And that's actually true, Rachel, for anything, even in Mm -hmm. high school, middle school. If we have our own anxieties about being in middle school or high school or you know the bad relationships or the academic stress, and we start acting from that place, our children feel that and they know it. And we're taking away their opportunity to have the fun and be successful and be stress-free. So it's just, that's a life lesson across the board. Yeah. And I think youth too, that's on their side. It's a silly analogy, but it's kind of like, you know, you teach a young kid how to ride a bike or go skiing or do some type of daredevilish thing that when you're young and yeah, maybe there's a little naivety involved in that, but that ignorance is bliss kind of thing, right? You jump in, 
when you sink or swim, right? And more times than not, the youth, they have that resilience on their side and just the vivaciousness to try anything that more times than not, it probably does work out versus learning how to ski a black diamond when you're 52 years old. Right. You, know, you may be a little bit more fearful than you might have been if you were 18 or 19. The other thing I was thinking too, just to kind of lighten up a little bit, another friend had told me a great story. So parents out there who are sending your kids away to college for the first time or even repeat, you know, second or third year, don't forget after they've been home, if per se, um, college or university is in a different time zone. I've heard some great stories where um, the kids now are wherever they are. It's a different time zone. Okay. And all of a sudden, the parent's phone rings at 1.30, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning, and it's Uber Eats. Okay. <laughs> but the kid is out somewhere on the West Coast somewhere, and it's three hours earlier because they forgot to change their whatever the settings are on their phone after being home for the last, oh, I don't know, 18 Two years. years. <laughs> well, I was going to say 18 years. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. With, um, so that's kind of funny in the sense that you don't want to get awoken no. uh, in the middle of the night, you know, by the Uber Eats guy or nope. you know calling to let you in the door. And your kid actually too is now the nervous mommy in me would be like, oh my god! But now they've been waiting for that food, <laughs> and it never <laughs> and came. They'll be okay, right? They'll be fine. They'll be fine. Speaking of time differences, I have two funny stories from when I was in college because I went to University of Wisconsin in Madison before it was like the hottest school in the country, right? Where I wouldn't be able to get in now, but I got in with like flying colors back then. So my parents lived on the East Coast, right? And my father called me every single day, four o'clock Madison time, five o'clock Florida time. And my friends in the sorority house would be like, Gutman, made a name, right? Gutman. Your dad's calling. And I'm like, how do you know? And they're like, because it's five o'clock. Your dad calls every single day. So I said to my dad one day, like, what the fuck? Like, why are you calling every day at five o'clock? He goes, because the rates go down at five. And I was like, oh my God, you're a cheap bastard, you. But he did. And it was really like, now that I don't have my father, it's like a wonderful memory to have that literally every single day he called. And it would be a two-minute conversation. But it would be the only conversation, you know, like that would be the conversation for the day and that would be it. So it's a token to the fact that I knew that there was consistency and I knew I would get to talk to him if I chose to answer the phone, which I did not always do. The second story that I have is my college roommate was from Milwaukee and she went to a Bucks game with some fraternity guys back in Milwaukee. So she wasn't in our apartment. And one of my friends came over and we were making... Um, I think my friend was studying and I was making the stuff for the... My, my little in the sorority, like arts and crafts type of shit. And I went into my roommate's room and I walked out. I was going to get something and I walked out and I smashed my face into her door. And there was like blood dripping everywhere and I'm freaking out. And I call my parents or I called, I don't remember which parent I called because my parents were divorced, but I called my parents and they were like, Lori, what the fuck do you want us to do? <laughs> we're in Florida. Like get in the car and go to the hospital. Like, I don't know what to tell you. And I was like, are you not concerned about me? Like, I understand you can't be here, but like, could you at least talk to me? Whereas we as parents would be like, okay, stay on the phone with me, get to the hospital, call the ambulance, let me talk to the doctors. My parents had nothing to do with it. God bless my aunt who happened to live in Madison who met me at the hospital. But like, my parents like, okay, whatever. Like you're in college, figure it out. And I was like, so with me, I'm assuming I'm going to be somewhere between the crazy nervous mother mm -hmm. and the 
I don't give a flying fuck what you do in college, even if you're dying, parents. So it's just, again, time zones. I woke them up. They were annoyed and they were too far away to help. So parents, hear this. The time zone thing is definitely an issue. Your kids will definitely wake you up when you're not interested in it, but try to show them some interest. Just even if you can't do anything, try to show them some interest. See, uh, and covering. again, I would think in today's generation, we're showing over interest. That's what well, the that's problem what is. Well, that was my next comment is not get like not over crazy about it. Somewhere in between, you know, right. stay with them on the phone, help them with this. But you don't have to be the nervous Nelly who is constantly, you know, on the phones with the doctors trying to get some information, et cetera, et cetera. Right. I don't have any memories of my mom or dad calling at a particular time every single day. Not cheap. Well, I don't think it have anything to do with that. I, I don't know what they were doing, but I do have a story. It's not even my story, but my older brother tells the story and he tells it so much better than I do. But my dad used to call him, except here's the thing. It wasn't five o'clock in the afternoon. He would call, according to my brother, at the crack of dawn, okay, in the morning and wake up the roommates and they'd all be like, oh, it's your dad on the phone. And not that anyone wasn't happy that it was my dad, but we were all early risers and whatnot. And anyone knows that when you're in college, you don't call at the crack of dawn. But I guess that was my dad's routine. And he'd be in his office before his patients or whatever. And he was going down the list and calling his kids or whatever. And it was very, very early. It was too early for college (laughs) kids. But it's funny in thinking about it now because even though I don't have any recollection of my dad calling that early with me, I 100% believe that he probably called my older brother at the crack of dawn. And that just makes me chuckle. And look, it was probably on your dad's schedule and there might have been like a little bit of like, get up so you don't miss your class in there, you know, like... Or just now, like I'm the dad and get up and I want to talk to you. And I'll tell you the story, the funny story I do have about my dad and me in college is uh, (laughs) the very first day of college. Okay, so they drive me up and we're in the dorm and all that. And now we're saying our goodbyes, right? And um, we're outside and I went to school, as you know, in, in GW in yeah. Washington, D.C. And we're outside Thurston Hall, the famous oh, Thurston, Thurston Hall. So shout Thurston. out to all my GW people out there. Thurston Hall is legend. Oh, it is. Um, and it is in the counseling center too, for the record. Oh, there you go. <laughs> all right. So we're outside Thurston Hall and we're saying our goodbyes. And my dad pulls me aside. And yes, it was my first time away away relative mm-hmm. to, as you were talking, like an adult and living alone and all that good stuff. But I had certainly been out and about in the world, even though I guess in hindsight, it probably was a small little bubble world. But nonetheless, so my dad pulls me aside and listeners out there, I know I've said before, my dad's nickname for me, he always called me Tiny. He still does. So he pulls me aside and he's like, Tiny. And he takes out a crisp, a brand new crisp $100 bill. Okay. And he's okay. like, I want you to take this and I want you to put it in your wallet. I don't want you to use it. This is strictly for emergencies. Should you ever get into a bind, you'll you'll have money on you. Oh, thanks. Whatever. And now we say our goodbye. Well, as the story goes, I do not think they were four blocks away, okay, on their ride home before I had that money spent. <laughs> so they always say the road to hell is always paved with good intentions. Good intentions. Right? Of I know he meant well, and I think he probably thought that that would last an awfully long time and it would only be used for emergencies, you know, on the wall where there's like a bottle or behind the glass or something. And it says like, in case of emergency, break glass or whatever. Well, (laughs) there was no emergency, but I spent it in 32 seconds. And dad, if you're listening, 
Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Money Sorry. well spent. However, well spent. You, look, all of this is to say that to the parents that are sending their kids out there, these things are going to happen, right? And we just have to do our best as parents to be there support our kids, love our kids, but not enable our kids and not fight the fights of our children unless we have to. We have to teach them resiliency. We have to teach them grit. We have to teach them that these are life problems that they're going to have, that they're going to have to figure out because we're not going to be here forever. And that's the important piece of this is we want our children to be capable of taking care of themselves should something happen to us. And I don't want to induce anxiety in everybody, but that ultimately is the goal. They are going to have to be able to figure this stuff out. So we as parents just have to remember that so that when our natural instinct is kicks in, that we have to find out where they are, track them, see what they're doing, know everything, be in the know, rescue them. We have to take pause. We have to think about this and put ourselves back in our college years and be like, where were our parents bailing us out? And they weren't. In an emergency, they were there but they weren't on top of us all the time. And if they were, we would have been annoyed. We would have been agitated by it. And we would have lost out on some of the greatest experiences that we've had. I mean, if my parents knew what I did in college, oh my God, they might have disowned me. But don't you think that's why parents have the anxiety that they do? Because we all know where we've been and what we've done. And thank God we we got away with it. Right, but here we are, right? Mm -hmm. I would spend time, if it were my child going to school, really discussing with them before they go, which I'm sure we've all had these discussions multiple times as our children have evolved, the repercussions of social media, the repercussions of one stupid mistake or one bad decision or one drunk night or one drug-induced night or be careful with your drinks and have those conversations. But to hover and, you know, my parents, there was nothing they can do from Florida when I'm in Wisconsin. Well, my parents always say, and I agree with this, even to this day, you can talk about it, you can give them those tools, you can remind them to make smart choices, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The people you surround yourself with are, you know, a reflection of you. And I agree with that too. You know, you are the people you surround yourself with. But at the end of the day, and I'm saying this to the listeners as my quasi advice giving, but also because I'm going to remind myself to take the advice is... A lot of it too comes down to luck. Yeah, it you does. Know, it just luck does play a part. And I'm a, even though I'm a cynic from time to time and I'm a nervous Nelly, I believe in luck. And, I do too. And that's something that I've always been so grateful for. I believe luck has been on my side and I am blessed about that. So we all have to kind of put our faith a little bit in if we've laid the groundwork the best that we can. As you sure. like to say, we're doing the best we can. Yeah, right? Don't give me that um, little Well, no, because I still with can't stand it. <laughs> <laughs> I can. It just drives me insane. Because sometimes our best just isn't. But nonetheless, let's just say, if we are doing the best that we can and we're laying the foundation for our prized possessions, our kids, to make the right choices, to surround yourself around people that are like-minded... To take some risk, you know, I'm, I am a risk taker, but a calculated risk. Think it yes. through, right? That's another thing. My dad used to say growing up, like when we made stupid choices and we did dumb things, he would say, what the hell is, is wrong with you? When God was giving out brains, what did you <laughs> think he said? Pains and you didn't get online? Come on, use your brain. Oh, so, I love your dad. You no, know, I know. We love you, dad. If we, I guess, just have faith and believe and also the luck card plays in, things fall into place. At least we I, know. 
Yeah. And I I 1000% agree. But it's so interesting, you know, me as a therapist, I look at the process of everything, right? In this podcast, look at how many times we referenced our parents Mm -hmm. in this Mm -hmm. podcast, right? And so basically what you're saying and what I'm saying is that the stuff that our parents taught us and the stuff that they said stuck with us, right? Mm -hmm. We might not have always, when you didn't have your brain and you thought it was pain, right? We might not have always acted with it. But all these years that we accumulated with them prior to sending our kids to college or them sending us to college, that stuff sunk in. And then we just as parents have to hope that when faced with that situation, they will remember the things that we have said and taught and shared and supported them through. And that's really where the luck comes in and the good friends and the modeling is. But it does stick with us as case in point as we're sharing these experience of what our parents did and what wisdom they imparted on us. So I just wanted to make note of that. Pretty sneaky, sis. You like that? There you go. I do. I feel like that's like the best place to end because you really brought it full circle. And I guess what we should say is an homage to all of the older parents out there that really job well done. (laughs) And we really do need to trust ourselves now as parents that we've done a good job. Our job is never over, but we've got to allow our kids, these new college students, to embrace it, enjoy it, learn a little, laugh a lot, or maybe laugh a lot and learn a lot, right? That would be nice, but let's not not push the envelope. Right, right. well, and have fun, make smart choices, use your brain, not Mm -hmm. the pain, right? Absolutely. And parents kind of back off a little bit, right? A little less is more, but I think as you said, Dr. Boca, and I'm going to let you kind of do just like a like a big bullet point right before we wrap up of like okay. the, the main five tips maybe to just kind of know your kid and kind of yes. gauge it depending on what type of child you have and kind of gauge it from there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've said most of them is gauge it, right? Also, you get support as the parent. If you can't contain your anxiety and you're putting it on your child, get into therapy or find a friend or go on a trip, do some deep breathing, yoga, meditation, whatever the case may be. Also, One of the things that has become more well-known in the universities now than when we were kids, because none of us ever used these resources, is the counseling centers at the universities are stellar right now. They really are, and they're a really good resource. So if your child is struggling, still, I would make the referral to the counseling center. Let them have support, somebody that's there. You are not at college with them. So reach out to the college counseling centers. If you don't know what to do, those resources are available and should be utilized. The other thing is, Have faith. Have faith in the fact that you've done a good enough job and your kid is never going to be perfect, but they're going to be okay. And because of the lines of communication that you have, they're going to reach out to you and you can still reach out to them and have those discussions with your kids prior to going to college and say, you know, hey, this is what I might need. This is what you need. Let's try to figure out a happy medium and we'll try to not talk all the time, but we'll come up with a time that we can talk that works for us. And I'm going to do the best I can. And if it's too much, tell me to back off. So those are some of the highlights. And also, we want this, this to be fun for the kids. It is hard. It's harder now than it was when we were kids at college. So let's just support them in the best way that we can without making them crazy. Or if all else fails, you can channel (laughs) your inner Rodney Dangerfield and kind of just enroll back in school and keep an eye on them. You you totally (laughs) could, which took place at Madison. It was filmed at Madison, which is the funniest thing about that. Yeah. Um, Okay. I'm going to recommend you 
don't re-enroll with your child because then we have some bigger issues that we're going to have to process. But yes, you get the idea. These kids are going to be fine. They're going to be... I'm like jealous. I want to go back to college. So I'm so excited for all these kids that are leaving, including a shout out to one of my nephews who is starting college, University of Maryland, G-A-R-E, which is wonderful. And all of my other nieces and nephews that are already in college and doing great. So they're amazing. Congrats to all. Congrats to all, to the parents, to the kids, to everyone. Uh, And I'm sure this topic, this is a universal topic every year, right? I mean, every year, new graduates coming from high school into college and from college into maybe graduate school or so on and so forth and all new endeavors. And that's what's exciting, right? That life at every turn, there's something new and we're learning as we go. And as we've said in the past, we may not always have the answers, but if we continue to ask the questions, then we're learning and we're growing. So with that said, thank you, Dr. Boca, for hanging out with me today on the corner of Audacity and Advice. This is where we spin out of control. Maybe you spin out of control too, but we do break down the wreckage. And today the wreckage was parents of kids who are headed to college and how we can cope with it. Thank you, Dr. Boca. Thank you to all the listeners. Find us on social media at Unpolished Therapy, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at Untherapy. Email us at unpolishedtherapy at gmail.com. We are available for your questions, concerns, thoughts, comments, opinions, and the like. And until next time, have a wonderful week, everyone. This is Rachel Silver Cohen and Dr. Boca, another episode of Unpolished Therapy. Great sesh, girls. Hey, everyone, like what you heard? Then don't miss out on what comes next. Subscribe now and please give the girls a five-star rating. Learn more at www.unpolishedtherapy.com. Find and like them on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll see you next week when Rachel Silvercone and Dr. Boca ditch the couch, grab the mic, and break down all the wreckage. 